0: Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I'm Celestina, a chef, dietitian, and total foodie. Each week, I chat with another awesome RD so we can learn a bit more about how diverse our profession really is and how much we can benefit from collaborating with fellow RDs. Yo, 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 this is DJ Chell coming at you. Where are my NYC, NJ, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Mass, and RDs at? Wow, I really missed my calling. Seriously, though, where are my New York City, New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Mass, and Pennsylvania RDs at? Well, actually, you can be from anywhere or live anywhere, but what I'm about to tell you is happening in NYC. Okay, well, actually in Queens, which is technically still NYC. Mark your calendars because on Saturday, January 28th, 2023, I'm hosting a Summit and Social in New York City for dietitians and nutrition professionals. It's a convivial dining event for dietitians. Translation, a friendly and enjoyable food-forward social for RDs. Let's break all this amazingness down. Who? Who? Obvi, this event is for dietitians and nutrition professionals who want to meet up in real life with fellow RDs. The second who slash what? The summit part of this event will include a panel discussion on collaboration within our field and how we can grow and create a more collaborative field going forward. The speakers, Alyssa Rumsey, MS, CDCS, the author of Unapologetic Eating. Second speaker, Anne Elizabeth Cundiff, RDN the author of I'm a registered dietitian, now what? And host of the podcast Conversations with Anne Elizabeth. And last but not least, Tony Toledo, MPH RDN and podcast creator and host of the PATH podcast, as well as a professional speaker. When is this happening? Once again, Saturday, January 28th, 2023 from 1 to 5 PM. Where? NYC. Well, actually Astoria, you what to do literally where I grew up and it's all going down at my favorite restaurant in the city slash the restaurant I did my culinary internship at slash a Michelin recommended restaurant, drum roll, brrr, Trattoria a regional Italian restaurant. And lastly, why? Because meeting up in real life is awesome. And because I truly want to create a more collaborative field. And I believe that having conversations around this can take us one step closer to all of that. So all of the details for the event, are in the link that you can find in the show notes if you want to sign up i would be so stoked for you to come just so you know there are a handful of discounted tickets for those early birds who really want to hop on it and all the remaining tickets are a little bit more so early bird pricing is 255 and that includes a ceu for the event vino food a three-course dinner deliciousness as well as just that whole socializing experience as well if you don't get one of the early bird tickets, the price goes up to 2.99, but it's inclusive of all the same stuff. So, if you want to come and you know you can make it, hop on that early bird pricing. Again, all of those details are in the show notes. On to today's conversation, we are chatting with Shannon Costello, a registered dietitian nutritionist and culinary coach who uses hands-on non-diet approach to help her clients learn to love food, explore more plant-based foods, and rebuild a connection with their bodies while having fun in the kitchen. She has a decade of experience working in corporate wellness, both on the fitness and nutrition side, and several years of experience in the culinary nutrition teaching class space, as well as developing recipes. So without further ado, let's chat with Shannon.
1: Hey, hey, Shannon, what's up? I'm so stoked that you're on the Dietitian Collaborative. How are you today?
2: I am great. We just finished talking about my new bouncy hair. So we're we're ready to dig into some more nutrition-based questions.
1: I let's love it. Guys, if you aren't <laughs> seeing this, definitely check out the behind the scenes on my Instagram and you will see Shannon's beautifully coiffed hair as she yes, flips all it. All
2: by myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
1: Let's dive into the three most important questions ever so that we can learn more about you than just your perfectly coiffed hair.
2: Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Excellent.
1: All right. One. What is your bucket list travel destination?
2: Oof. Okay. Um, there are so many destinations on my travel list and it just grows longer and longer like every single day. Uh it used to be Italy, but now I've been there three times for, you know, weeks at a time. So I have to say, as much as I love it and want to, of course, continue exploring different parts of Italy. I'm going to reach outside of the boot, and my next destination is Thailand. I've always wanted to go to an elephant sanctuary out there, and of course, I love Thai food, so I want to see and, and taste that authentically for sure.
1: Oh my god, that'd be such a fun place to explore. I've heard it's very affordable. Like Once you're there, it's very, very affordable to explore and like live your best life
2: absolutely it's just gorgeous out there too yeah all
1: right well then this leads very nicely into the next question what is your favorite food of all time
2: oh that's easy avocado for sure avocado on everything every day (laughs) like
1: a little bit of salt maybe just like face into avocado like what's your preferred way of eating it
2: Oh, sure. I mean, you can eat it with a spoon or a spork (laughs) or just squeeze it right out. No, I'm kidding. Um, I would say my go to is definitely the avocado toast. A lot of times I like to add either a fried egg or just egg on top. When my fiance doesn't finish eating his boiled eggs for the week, I'll slice one of those up and put it on top. Seasoning's all the way. Everything with the bagel seasoning, Italian herb seasoning, red pepper flakes, you name it. Can't go wrong with some mashed avocado on toast.
1: In case you guys have no idea where this episode is going, it's pretty much going to be very, very, very food related. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And then third, maybe most important question ever, coffee
2: or cocktails? Coffee. 100% coffee. (laughs) How do you, how do you coffee? Coffee. Oh, well, we have an espresso machine, so that's, you know, I feel bougie in the morning getting that (laughs) foam on top of my coffee. I also always, always add some sort of non-dairy milk. Um, If I really have to, I'll drink it black. But preferred is either like oat or soy milk, and then lately I've been putting... A mixture of like unsweetened soy milk and chocolate oat milk with oh, some yeah. foamed like maca powder in there too, oh gross. yes, oh, delicious,
1: oh my gosh, that's like whole next level coffee, and I totally understand about the nespresso
2: mm-hmm. so.
1: My husband found one in his old office and like it's 220 volt, right? So like very apropos for Europe where we live. Absolutely. And someone like he found it in the trash. Like someone was getting rid of a perfectly functioning espresso machine just because it didn't have like the water container on the back anymore. So a 200 euro unit, he paid like 15 bucks for like the water canister. (laughs) And now he has an espresso in his office. Like
2: Yes, that's luxury right there.
1: He teased me and brought it home for like a week, and then it went right back to the office.
0: So.
2: Oh no! Did you buy one for the house? No, we French press. It's fine. Oh, okay. Well, there you go.
1: It's great alternative. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Shannon, now we know literally everything about you there is to know. I would love to know more about your <laughs> RD journey. So, when did that begin? And take us take us on the ride that has been your life thus far.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> buckle your seatbelt because it was quite the roller coaster to get here. (laughs) I think my passion for food and health in general started when I was in high school and we were trying to navigate some finicky health challenges that I was facing uh, with a lot of unknowns, lots of doctor visits and and some interesting testing, which included some of those fun food sensitivity tests that may or may not steer you in the wrong direction. (laughs) But that's really where it began. And it took a lot of perseverance, as well as research on my own end, as well as, you know, my wonderful mother who took this upon (laughs) her to help me. But it led down the path of just recognizing how impactful nutrition and just lifestyle in general affected us in so many different ways. But ultimately, I learned I had a really sensitive gut. Gluten was not my friend. And so one of the doctors that I was seeing at the time, they I guess you could say, diagnosed me with candida overgrowth. And if you're not familiar with this, candida is a type of yeast um, that grows in all of us. It's part of our gut microbiome. The goal is to keep it in balance with all the other bacteria and wonderful things that grow in our gut. But if it overgrows and it takes precedence over other good bacteria, then Some, you know, naturopathic professionals and people in this area believe that that overgrowth can lead to further health problems. And that was what I was being told at the time. So I was put on this very strict candida diet, basically, which eliminates literally all sugars and any foods that turn into sugar. Um, Yes, yes. It was very restrictive. It blows. I'm familiar. Yeah, I mean... I literally felt like I was drinking seltzer water and eating cardboard for every meal. And this was during my high school years too, when I was like learning how to be social without parents around and, you know, kids were driving. And the only thing you did was meet up at restaurants to hang out and eat food. And I was literally not able to eat anything. And it was very mentally challenging, um, as well as socially challenging. And of course it was really hard on my body too. So At that point, you know, it became even more precedent how impactful nutrition and and these choices were going to be long-term. Fast forward, I go to college, and I don't want to follow any of these rules anymore. I'm going to do my own thing and eat from the cafeteria while also playing college soccer. And, well, that didn't really help me in the right direction. You know, at that age, you're you're just living life, and you're enjoying food the way you want to enjoy it and the way your friends are enjoying it. So... That's what I did for a couple of years until, you know, I really was not feeling well again. Yeah. So I made some changes. Of course, now I'm not living in the dorm and, you know, I have control over my food. I'm grocery shopping for myself and I'm learning to experiment with different foods and, and make these choices that are going to benefit me both from the inside out. And that's where really my passion grew for nutrition. I was like, wow, I actually enjoy this. I like cooking for myself. I like walking around the grocery store and just looking at all the (laughs) different things that are here. And so I dug a little deeper into my own nutrition. And and at that point, you know, I really did eliminate gluten because it wasn't serving my gut nor was it serving the health condition that I was navigating and continue to navigate the rest of my life, which is hyperthyroidism. I also dabbled with plant-based nutrition. I went vegetarian, mostly based off of affordability as a college student and new graduate. And that kind of stuck with me. I really didn't like eating animal proteins anymore. And as I went Back to school for nutrition and dietetics after getting my exercise and sports science degree, you know, I really took more uh, time to research the ethical, um, animal welfare, sustainability, and environmental impact of, you know, leaning more on the plant based side of eating. So that's kind of where I've, I've stuck with that. But gosh, then we go back to a new doctor. And I'm, I'm in a new state. So I'm trying to find a new healthcare team to help manage this hypothyroidism. And they go through this whole in-depth assessment again. And I'm back to having candida overgrowth and being told I need to go on this, you know, candida diet. I'm like, oh gosh, not again. And I'm into endurance running at this time. So I'm in the middle of training for half marathons. And I'm I'm told I can't eat all these things that are literally giving me the energy to run. <laughs> yeah. Not just 13 miles, but even just a mile. Like, how am I supposed yeah. to run without carbohydrates? So that's my like, Let's break
1: this down really
2: quick. I told you to put your seat on.
1: You had doctors who were woke enough to even understand, quote unquote, candida overgrowth which I think is not normal. So it's interesting that you were quote-unquote diagnosed with this twice by two completely different doctors. And in my experience, the doctors that I've seen in the past, because I've also had GI issues, like weren't even woke enough to understand that that was a thing, like didn't even know that that was a thing. So... Maybe, maybe in some tiny little universe, you can see yourself as lucky as like they were trying to think outside the box, but maybe the answer was a little bit more straightforward than that.
2: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I will say I do lean more on the side of functional medicine. Um, Totally. I mean, they are, they're DOs, so they've been through, you know, similar schooling as an MD has, but they do have that more functional, holistic approach, which I absolutely appreciate and you know, use today in my own practice. So that's kind of why they were a little more in tune with that being a possibility. Um, totally, so That's very much there. But yeah, then it just kind of like, I'm like, there is no way I was like, okay, doctors do not have the right to speak about nutrition in this way. Without the proper education, experience, or at least colleague working in your office, aka a registered dietitian, to help <laughs> you educate and, and treat your patients, so yeah. I was like this this is not right. You know, um, it definitely put me down or further into that kind of restrictive mindset and and hyper control perfectionism that I already had. Know trying to maintain this, you know, quote idealistic, um, you know, look of health for myself. Yeah. So that's kind of when I went down the path of more the non-diet approach, and and I took my plant-based experience and my history with dieting and you know these health diagnoses and experiences into where I am now as being a non-diet plant-based dietitian and culinary coach. So that's kind of the the gist of how I got into more of the non-diet side of things. Yeah. But as I was working in corporate wellness, in both the fitness and nutrition side, I was also dabbling in cooking classes. I was teaching cooking classes for a different company, and I loved the culinary nutrition side of things. And I saw a huge benefit in how that hands-on skill and practice and adventure that you go through in the kitchen Impacts, you know, the way you view food, the relationship you have with food, and your ability to achieve any goals that you're striving forward with um, when it comes to your health and, you know, building a healthy relationship with food. So that's kind of where I. You know, blend the non diet side of things with also the culinary nutrition part of my experience is yeah. really getting in the kitchen and learning to love food again, learning to break free from all these food rules and and this diet talk that we're constantly pounded with day after day, and so this is
1: very much like a personal journey for you that you can now share with the clients that you work with,
2: yeah, yeah, I mean. I don't like to make it about myself, but I definitely click with (laughs) so many of my clients because they they come to me with at least one of these experiences that I've personally been through and I totally feel for them, right? And I I just want to help them break free from whatever challenge they're currently experiencing and, and learn how to just love being in the kitchen and not stress about their food choices anymore.
1: Yeah. I I completely understand that like coming from like a food forward person but having been through some of the restrictive diets that you're that you've experienced because of gut issues that I had that honestly a lot of them were stress induced and like lifestyle that I was living like not like overeating like eating a bunch of shit but like the stress I was inducing the lack of sleep I was having and that was really kind of the the root of my issues But I can relate like you kind of get stuck in this mindset. You're like, but if I eat this, I'm going to feel like shit. You know what I mean? Even if that very restrictive isn't going to be the best for you, not even for the short term, not even for the long term, like it's just not the best option. So I can totally relate in that way. And I feel like I've never shared that before. But yeah, so like it sucks when you when you kind of get into that mindset. But when you can shift into more of a food freedom, hey, man, like foods are good. We can figure this out. And if my body feels good when I'm eating this food, then it's right. Tell me a little bit about how all of this like came into being. Is this just something you were like, yep, I need to start a private practice and do all of this? Or was <laughs> this I mean, it sounds like it's been a culmination over over time, but how long were you in the corporate world before you before you kind of took the dive to work with clients one on one?
2: Yeah, I've been in the corporate world ever since graduating with my bachelor's in exercise and sport science. So, when I graduated okay. from that, I started my first job a week after graduation, and I was an exercise specialist. So, that was more of the fitness side of things, and it was already at that point that I knew I was going to go back to school to continue with my nutrition and dietetics um passion, but I worked full-time for a year before actually starting those nutrition classes, um, wow. and then based on the, the program that was required of me, I did have to go part-time at the uh, corporate wellness gig, but I was with that company for, I want to say, six years at the oh, wow. same time as teaching cooking classes and, and doing the dietetic internship. And the company that I was doing cooking classes for, I absolutely enjoyed it, the the manager I had at the time was wonderful. I learned so much from her who had actually completed culinary school. So I actually went to work for their corporate office and became their director of culinary entertainment. So I was developing all the recipes and the class menus, and I was writing out all the trainings for all the cooking instructors. And it was wow. incredible. I mean, you go to work and you're just recipe testing all day and you're yeah. handing out food to all your employees. And you're like, what do you think? What do you think? And you're like, <laughs> It wasn't all, you you love me. Here's my thing. Do you love me now? (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So from the culinary side of things, you're self-trained, correct?
2: I am self-trained. Yeah. I I mean, I have to give a lot of credit to my manager. Her name was Eden. absolutely love her. She was an incredible person to have on this journey. Yeah. But Yeah. A lot of it was self-trained as well as with her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: You can get back on to how all of that formed into your, <laughs> your private practice now.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, from that job, you know, I knew that healthy living was still something that was really important to me. And I didn't get a lot of the coaching and like counseling experience yeah. that I wanted in that particular position. I wanted, to really connect with people and see the long term relationships, where with the cooking classes, like you never know if you're gonna see that person once or if they're gonna come back for 10 more classes. So, that part, um, you know, I really missed out on. So, I actually went back into the corporate wellness industry as a wellness director or coordinator, I should say, which was great. Unfortunately, during COVID, they had to let go of those positions. Yeah. And, and it had always been in my mind. Uh, to start my own practice and do my own thing because I just loved the creativity part of nutrition and working in your own business, like the yeah. possibilities, the fact that, you know, there is always a new opportunity out there and you just had to continue growing and challenging yourself like that's something that I really looked forward to so blessing and a curse I was let go from my job because they let go of that position and I was like well now's my time (laughs) now's my time so I just mm -hmm. yeah I literally (laughs) just jumped into it blindly was like, well, I'm starting a business. Here we go. (laughs) No education in business whatsoever. Still learning every day. I know. I know. And that's like, that's the most incredible thing is that dietitians have so much to offer. And, you know, I totally understand the path that we have to go on because there's so much to learn. And we want to make sure that, you know, all RDs are credentialed um, in the same way, but I just wish there was a little more wiggle room for some of these non-traditional positions that RDs are going yeah. into now because we're we're you can find us anywhere. Anywhere. I,
1: I think I think I'm seeing it a little bit more. So I just finished around with my first dietetic intern ever, which was super exciting.
2: That's, that's awesome. Yeah. But
1: she was able to choose working with an entrepreneur, like as as part of her internship. And like, I think I had two weeks that like I was able to do whatever I wanted in my internship, but like, that was it, you know, like there wasn't guidance and flexibility as to like what we could choose. I'm pretty sure I was at a summer camp because it was the middle of the summer and I was like, hell yeah, I want to be at a summer camp. And like, that was my, that was my elective (laughs) rotation, you know?
2: (laughs) Love it. Yeah. That's awesome to hear that more internships are allowing you know, an entrepreneurial or a business type of opportunity, much needed for sure.
1: And I think, like you're saying, right? Like you took the dive during COVID. I feel like a lot of people did. And that's kind of where we're shifting more on the virtual space rather than in person. And I mean, yes, there's still a need for clinical RDs, there's still an, like a need for RDs in the wellness and corporate wellness space and community spaces. But I think for a lot of people, the shift has been virtual. So, maybe incorporating more in this space for the blooming RDs, the young RDs. I think that really is where it's going and that might be the future of rotation. So A&D, if you're listening, highly recommend and other programs out there, if you're listening, highly recommend.
2: (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. If your program offers an opportunity like this, definitely jump on it just because you never know where life is going to take you. And even if you're in your dream job as a dietitian that's you know working for someone else or in a specific industry like you never know you might want to have a little side hustle or do some consultation work it's it's good to have variety in what you're totally. able to offer. Yeah. All
1: right, question for you, slightly off topic, but you mentioned that you'd been to Italy several times and I think yes. I have an idea of what you did there, but I would <laughs> love to know food related Like what happened? What went down in Italy? Let's, let's, let's get to the real talk.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I just, I love talking about my experience in Italy. So I, of course, that was my first bucket list travel destination was Italy. And mostly because of the book, Eat, Pray, Love, Yes. Gosh, I have pages falling out of that book for the number of times I've read it. But I fell in love with the language because in that book, she does write a lot of Italian quotes and conversations. And I was like, this language is so beautiful. So I was inspired to learn Italian on my own. And then that inspired me to go to Italy because my goal was to really get engrossed with the culture so I had some time between getting matched with my dietetic internship and when I was actually starting it. And I took that opportunity to go to Europe and my priority was traveling as much of Italy as I could with my backpack. So because I was working several part-time jobs and about to go into an internship that was unpaid, I was like, well, budget is definitely a concern here. when <laughs> my friends let me know about this Workaway program. So it's workaway.org, I believe is the website, basically volunteers looking for hosts around the Mm -hmm. world with specific uh, volunteer jobs. So I specifically looked for Italy and nutrition or cooking related positions. And I found this lady, her name is Kika. And she has a company called Cooking in Tuscany. And she's right on the uh, western coast of Italy. And I stayed with her the first year I went. I stayed with her for two weeks. And I just lived in her house with her family. I fell in love. I learned how <laughs> Italians truly live in out in Tuscany where it's pretty rural. You know, how are they getting their ingredients? How are they cooking simply yet? having so much flavor yeah you know how connected they are with their community and where they're getting all their ingredients I mean we went to the butcher and I don't think we were there less than an hour we might have walked out with like two pieces of meat but the, the majority of the time we were just chit-chatting with the butcher and then like like Person after person that came in there was just joining the conversation. I was like, this is the life. They take naps in the middle of the day. Sounds
1: like shopping with my nonna. Yeah. It's (laughs) the (laughs) best.
2: She would she would tell me at like two PM. because I was just like ready to go, you know, coming from America. I'm like, I have an agenda. It's start to finish every day, all day. It'd be like two PM. And she's like, choose one of the hammocks out back and it's nap time. Yeah, it's nap time. I'm like, what? How do you nap? But, oh my gosh, I miss the naps. (laughs) Anyway, it's more on the food side of things. I learned so much from her, and she taught cooking classes right out of her own kitchen to tourists that would come through that area of Tuscany, a lot of them American, So it was really fun to even connect with other people in the States while I was over in Italy. But from that experience, I decided I was going to go back every single year and volunteer with her. So I went back, you know, the following two years and I stayed like, you know, three, four weeks at a time in Italy. I brought my mom one time. I brought my best friend one time. I went by myself again. And it's just, it was so fun to learn how they live so simply and authentically. And they just, they slow down and it's just so refreshing. So very refreshing. And that's something that, you know, I strive for here, but you know, it's definitely a challenge being amongst this hustle culture. But unfortunately COVID has kept me from visiting the past couple of years. So I hope to get back out there really soon but it's it's something I always reflect on when it comes to my experience in the kitchen and with food and and sourcing ingredients and just just thinking about it holistically and and how over here we make we I feel like we create problems when it comes to nutrition um and we just we really overthink it and in Italy it's just it's so simple to them yeah. so simple yeah
1: I've I've okay so Tuscany, I feel like, as a whole, does a really good job of agrotourism. So, like, mm-hmm. for you guys listening, that's what it's called, right? Like, agroturismo is, like, going to someone's villa and cooking with them, learning about, like, literally everything Shannon's talking about is called agroturismo. I wish my grandparents' region of Molise did it better, because that's where, like, the scarmozza cheese comes from. It's, like, the big ball mm-hmm. on, the, on the bottom, the small ball on top, yes. and, like, they don't promo it well at all. And it's <laughs> such a bummer. But like I know that there are farms like in their area doing really cool stuff. They just don't promo it well. So it's it's cool to see that Tuscany has really capitalized on that and not in like an American schmutzy kind of way. And like, let's break it down to like grassroots, like let's go talk to the butcher for an hour and a half and like let's explore and like what it really takes to make pasta from scratch. Cause it's not easy. So I love all of that question for you, though. Did you eat meat when you were there?
2: So the first year I did a lot of exploring with food and taste. I really wanted to learn, you know, how each region of Italy um, presented their ingredients differently. And, And for those of you who aren't familiar with Italian cuisine and, you know, the culinary world there, every region of Italy has different ingredients that they highlight. Um, So Northern versus Southern is very different. And even just, you know, like Tuscany versus Sicily is very different. So I really wanted to learn in that way with my own taste buds. So I was a little more exploratory. I would try very small amounts of meat. I will say I I didn't like 99% of them. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I would usually only take like one or two bites just to say like I've tried it and now I know yeah. like what that local meat might have been yeah. I have yet to ever have a Florentine steak I will probably not try that
1: mostly because of, I mean it's still mooing so that's fair
2: yeah yeah <laughs> because I look at this yeah I'm, I won't even go there but <laughs> I my body does not do well with Animal proteins. So it was also a sense of, you know, how do I want to feel after trying this meal? I did make it a personal goal to try a different flavor of gelato every single day. So I did have gelato right before going to bed. Yeah. So being (laughs) highly lactose intolerant, I made sure it was right before I went to bed. You know, I drink lots of water, but the flavors of gelato are something you cannot miss out on. I did try the local cheeses. I did a little better, you know, with cheese, small amounts, but thankfully Kika is also vegetarian. Although she cooks a lot of, you know, different animal proteins for her students and her family, you know, she leans on the side of vegetarianism and she's also familiar with cooking gluten-free so when I was there she was very accepting of that and yeah a lot of I will say like aside from pasta and pizza Italians eat a lot of naturally gluten-free foods polenta oh God, yeah. and rice lentils and, and chickpeas they're mm-hmm. very vegetable based I will say seafood in that area of Tuscany was very prominent so I did eat a bit of seafood because that was going to be my primary source of protein while I was there. Less stress on me to figure out where I was going to get those beans and lentils from. (laughs) But yeah, I was very adventurous and I was open to trying things so that I could you know, learn more about the culture and the cuisine. Yeah.
1: And I feel like you can learn so much based off of the regional eats, like even in the States, right? Like going from the Northeast to the Southwest, like those flavors are vastly different. And it's oh, so absolutely. cool. And I don't think we, I don't think we think about that, right? Like from state to state, how much like the flavors can change just within the States itself. And like America's a freaking huge country. So like, imagine <laughs> how much they can change in a country. That's the size of like, I don't know, like the Southern States and that, that being Italy, you know? So it's super cool to explore new places based off of the local flavors and especially when you can break it down to like the regional specialties, game changer. I'm so happy that you were able to have that experience and like you really dove in, in, in a way that like felt, I feel like probably morally good to some extent, but then also like, I need to figure out these flavors and like what they feel like, what they feel like, what they taste like, what the experience is.
2: Absolutely. No, I remember (laughs) My first stop in Italy was Venice and I was only there for like two nights. It's a pretty small area to explore unless you get lost and then you need to go back (laughs) because you have no idea where you are. But there's a specific pizza that everyone will get in Venice, in that area at least, and it's got anchovies on it. So I went ahead and ordered the pizza with anchovies, and I had <laughs> no idea what I had just ordered. I The pizza came out and I looked at those anchovies and I was like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> and I had one bite, and I started peeling all of them off the pizza. Oh, no. Like, I'm them back I'm into so the ocean. Sorry. I, I was like, I'm so sorry. I did not realize what this pizza was going to be like when I requested <laughs> the local pizza with anchovies. So, I, yeah, that was a very, um, wide, uh. I should say eye-opening experience when I first got there, but I was was determined that my taste buds were going to lead me through my Italian experience. (laughs) That's hilarious. And
1: also so awesome at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Um, Let's maybe get back into the RD space now that we've geeked out about traveling through (laughs) Italy. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that, but (laughs) I would love to know, like, how do you like to collab with fellow RDs, whether it be in person, social media, whatever that may be?
2: Oh, gosh, all of the above. I always love hearing how RDs become RDs and what their passions are, what led them to that passion. I would say, you know, most of my experience as a dietitian has been virtual, my dietetic internship was a distance-based program, so I only saw my colleagues face-to-face twice over the whole program. Other than that, wow. I was um, the only one in Texas in my program. I got a lot of virtual experience that way. And then, of course, over the pandemic, and you know because my private practice started during the pandemic, a lot of my networking has been virtual too. So This is probably my most comfortable area for collaborating, but of course, I love the face-to-face connection. As things start to quote get back to normal, (laughs) (laughs) I do. I truly look forward to collaborating and networking in person with some of the amazing dietitians out there. I actually just met up with a local dietetic intern who just was curious about you know my role as an entrepreneur and was had just moved to this area so she was looking for some other opportunities that maybe I was familiar with in this area and I was I was just like so excited to talk to a dietetic student I was like oh my gosh I remember this I remember this experience and I was like so excited to be like hey you know reach out to this food bank or this culinary center or join me at the food pantry and I can you know, show you the ins and outs of that. And I love being able to not only share your experiences, but hear about others because there's so many opportunities out there that, you know, us as dietitians aren't even familiar with. And with this, you know, industry and this role growing every single day, you know, there's always something to learn. And I love learning. I totally
1: forgot that that was even an option, but like going into food pantries and like food banks and like either doing cooking classes there, like using like whatever they have on hand. I for, I totally forgot that was a thing. I did that too. But like there, you're right. There are so many different options, especially if you like are in the food space, so many different ways to be in the community, collaborating, sharing information.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. My favorite thing is uh, working at a food pantry. So I've I don't even know how many years I've been working for one, but everywhere I've moved over the past 10 years, I've always looked at, you know, a community food pantry that I can volunteer with. So I currently do that once a week and help with, you know, their inventory and their food bank orders and helping to make sure that the bags that we pack, you know, have a good combination of the foods that we've been donated. So that's been something that I really enjoy getting back to the community. It's freaking awesome. I wish that was a thing here.
1: Unfortunately it's not. If if I'm ever back oh. in the States, that will be back on my list. If
2: manifesting yes. Italy next. Oh, well. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I'm all about that. <laughs>
1: all right, Shannon. Where can other RDs find you and where can other people listening find you as well?
2: Yeah, so I have a website. It's just www.chefshannonnutrition.com. And then I'm mostly on Instagram at Chef Shannon Nutrition. Uh, You'll find me a lot on stories. And being a solopreneur, you might find me on the feed every now and then. But work-life balance and social media balance. (laughs) Um, But yeah, those are the two areas you can find me most often. But feel free to always email me. It's just Shannon at chefshannonnutrition.com. If you have any specific questions or feel free to DM me on Instagram. I, I, I do still check those. <laughs>
1: awesome. Well, Shannon, as always, it has been a pleasure. I'm really happy that we got to like deep, dive a little deeper today and, and chat.
2: Yeah, this has been great. I feel like we've known each other for so long now and we've never really had like a, a long in-depth conversation. It's been like piecemeal yeah, together. For real. This has been great. <laughs> All right. Well, ciao.
0: I'm a total believer that travel can really open up your mind to a variety of different things. And for me specifically, I love traveling and experiencing a different culture through food. So, what Shannon experienced in Italy is literally like what I would have loved to do in college but didn't. But now living in Europe, I get to do, which has been so freaking cool. So, if that's not how you explore a new country, I highly recommend trying it from a food perspective. You will learn so much, including the history of that place too. All right, let's get on to a quick recap. One, leaving a position or being released from a position can be a blessing or opportunity in disguise. Two, if you have the opportunity to travel at some point in your career, do it. Three, take the virtual connections you make in person whenever you can. What a great note to leave on. I wrote these, just to give you guys some perspective, I wrote these three takeaways literally back in like April when I was editing these. So that is the perfect segue into taking virtual connections that you meet online, in person, whenever you can. I would love for you to come to the New York City Summit and Social next January It's gonna be a really cool experience. Not only do I have three amazing panelists who are all about collaboration and elevating each other up as well as elevating other dietitians in our industry up, but it's gonna be a really cool place to meet like-minded RDs who are also down for some more of these challenging conversations as well as who are just down to collaborate and experience what collaboration can truly be like in our field. So if this sounds like something that you dig, that you're vibing with, I would absolutely love for you to be there. All of the links that you'll need are in the show notes. You can learn more information, all of the actual specific details about the event online following that link. And you can also sign up for the event following that same link as well. Can't wait to see you in New York in January in real life. And we can take this virtual connection to the next level. Alrighty, guys, until next week. Ciao.